welcome to another episode of Younger by the Minute. I'm one of your hosts, Jamie Spicer, and I'm here with Jennifer Spicer. And thanks for tuning in today. We are pretty excited about this episode as we just took a 12-day vacation over to Italy, had a lot of fun, did a lot of sightseeing, but more importantly, we enjoyed a lot of great food. And at the end of the trip, my gut health, Jen's gut health, our skin overall health improved. I ended up losing seven pounds and probably about two inches of my waist. And I know, Jen, I think you're, I know you definitely lost some pounds and some inches. I did. I lost about five pounds. And I know I can speak for both of us. We genetically don't have, I mean, for the listeners that don't know what we look like, we genetically don't have the physique that people think we do or come by it easily. It's always a lot of work. There's always a lot of inflammation. I have never been on a trip where I did not feel bloated or it felt like all the hard work I did going up into the trip, like just went out the window as soon as I left. And I think there are a few variables in that, you know, we took a 12 days off of work and I haven't taken that amount of time off of a job or work since I was probably 18 or 19 years old. But truly it, once we tell you the backstory to realize just how good the food is, not just how it's prepared in the way that it tasted, but honestly, how healthy it felt for us. I mean, we ate things that are not in our normal meal plan and felt amazing. No, I mean, like for me, I'm very lactose intolerant in the States here. Um, I'm very gluten sensitive. You know, my psoriasis will flare up pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. The minute that I have two weekends in a row of eating out, even at high quality restaurants, you know, even we and locally here in St. Louis, you know, if we go to the Hill where it's authentic Italian, or we're back home where Jen's from in Boston, we go to the North End. You know, I can only take two or three bites of a cannoli from Mike's Pastries and and I'm getting bloated, belchy, gassy. So to be able to be over in Italy and eat pasta every meal, have cannolis, gelato, have cappuccinos with whole milk or oat milk, dessert every meal and everything like that, and to lose weight, lose inches in my waistline, my overall gut health improved, my mental clarity mental clarity improved, my energy levels were through the roof. And like like I said, we'll get into the backstory here of we thought for sure our, our gut health and Jen's skin regimen was going to be screwed for the whole trip. But to be able to, and, and another thing to add, like I've told clients is we eat very clean. We watch our labels, we wash our rice, we wash our f- fruits and vegetables, or now, you know, even wash our, our meat. And just to get rid of everything that we can and and to know that we still improve that much was quite an eye opener for us. Yes. And before we get into this and before we make everybody feel, because even we started to feel this way, like, how are we ever going to, you know, how can we eat the food in America? Well, here's the deal. It is cumulative. Inflammation is inflammation. Your body can't differentiate between stress. So whether it's emotional, physical or whatsoever, there are other external variables here being able to be just completely free from anything. And then also even being free from feeling like we had to restrict our diets. That's a mental relaxation in the brain. And that helps you decrease cortisol. If you are already stressed and then you choose to eat a meal, like we most, most of us do with stress eating that causes more stress, you're amplifying the negative side effects. So I just want everybody to keep that in mind. There are ways to go about it and getting really wound up about this is not going to help you. But we hope that this message that we're about to deliver serves some sort of purpose and helps you kind of differentiate between how do you make sure that you're getting 
the best food. And when you do decide to eat pasta, pizzas, and gelatos, you pick the right choices for that. And I will add for those that have struggled to lose weight, that felt like they've hit a wall, that feel like no matter what they've tried, they ultimately cannot get to where they want to be at, that, you know, some of this is not all on you, that your hard work has prevented you from being worse than the situation you're currently at. It has, you have seen some improvement, but the biggest thing is you aren't going backwards. And the biggest thing is like some of this stuff is completely out of all of our control, no matter how hard we work at it. So this is not a shaming episode. This is, an, uh, like Jen said, an educational eye-opener because, again, if clients would have asked me if my gut health and stuff would have improved as much as it did going over there, I would have said no. But now being over there and being back stateside, I can absolutely say that the way that they grow their food, the things that they ban on that on in Europe and the UK and stuff like that, it does make a dramatic improvement on our overall health. Yes. And I, I mean, with being an esthetician since, gosh, 2004, I don't want to date myself. I already knew some of like the differences, especially when it came to skincare, because it's not just foods that are regulated differently between the US and the EU. It's also the skincare and things like that. And we allow in this country a lot more um, ingredients to go into our skincare as well. And you have to remember, it's going to hit you from every which way. So it's not only what you're ingesting that gets absorbed into your body, it's also what you're putting on your skin and then also what you're inhaling in through the air quality. So there are definitely things that you can do to help it overall. So your toxic exposure or toxic overload isn't too much. Yeah. And let's not forget about supplements also. Correct. You know, there's a different regulation on supplements on that side versus um, our side. So, so let's get into this, you know. You know, we jump on a plane on Sunday the 28th. We get over there and come to find out that my luggage um, was left in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. My luggage had all of my clothes, had all my personal hygiene, had a couple of my medications and Jen's medications in it, had all of our supplements for the 12 days we're going to be over there. I had some of Jen's skincare. All of my skincare. All of Jen's skincare mm-hmm. in there. So, you know, of course, the immediate reaction is we're screwed. We're worried about our gut health. Um, we had some of our nootropics in there that helps keep us cognitively function. I know, Jen, you were really worried about your skin and breaking out. So. Yeah, and I think from a, um, it was a definitely a test. And I will say I've definitely learned how to pack differently <laughs> for <laughs> trips like that. Looking back, there was definitely some avoidable things there. But yes, we were worried because both of us have very sensitive stomachs and very sensitive skin. Right. And also have a cheat sheet for how to find the things that you need while in Europe when <laughs> when you show up with the, the only thing you have on is what's on your back. Well, and I was going to say, I don't, again, not everybody's going to know what you look like. He's not the normal European size. So it, it actually, it left for a great story, but it was, I'm proud of how we handled it mentally. And again, right. that's the first thing. As soon as you start to go negative, the physiology of every cell starts to change and you start to release cortisol. So taking it like we did, I think was definitely beneficial. Yeah. You know, like Jen pointed out, you know, majority of of my stuff, especially my suits have to be custom made because my measurements are not normal, you know, with a 52 inch chest and a 36 to 34 inch waist, that's not your typical measurements. So, but 
even in the first night, you know, we were over there. We go out to dinner. We have pasta. We're walking back to our hotel. We stop off. We I have a large uh, cannoli and a large gelato, which at that point I'm like, my stomach's screwed because that's a lot of dairy coming in for me. And to have no inflammation from that, no digestive issues from it. And I actually woke up, I think, a little leaner and tighter the next day was quite the shock. I thought this was going to be a one-off, but you know, you can't say that after 12 days of eating like that and coming back feeling and looking the way we did was was amazing. So why is that? Why were we able to go over there? Why were we able to eat such a carb-heavy diet plan, even all the way down to eating white bread with olive oil and salt every meal? And like, how did this happen? And, you know, we started digging into this stuff. And the biggest thing that comes to it is the fact that the UK and Europe are GMO free. Mm-hmm. It's illegal to have GMOs. Preservatives, pesticides, dyes are all a big negative on banned things that are going on in Europe that we allow in the US food. That's, I would say, a majority of it, um, a big part of it. Yeah. So, I mean, we did dig into this and I, I mean, I think we were both already aware that there were some, you know, notable differences between the US and the EU, but there's four major ones when it comes to food. So first is the food safety regulations, kind of just like how we practice medicine. The EU takes more of a precautionary or proactive of, approach to both food and cosmetics and skincare, where the US is a little bit more reactive. And now remember, certain things have been done because of consumer demand. So we all take some responsibility in this because of convenience. That's why we have more gluten in our pastas because gluten also helps. It's not just a binder, but it's also a preservative. It helps lengthen the shelf life of things. But the EU bans the use of certain food additives that are still allowed in the U.S. due to potential health risks. And like we've talked about in the past, red dye, certain coloring, that actually can precipitate in, in... amplify ADD, ADHD, things like that. I can tell you from just my personal experience, it wasn't just jet lag coming back here. Um, And like I said, we're pretty healthy, but we actually had another team member over there and she took a cooking class and she confirmed from the guy that was teaching her family how to cook that it is illegal and you will go to jail if you're giving any animal growth hormones, antibiotics, and then if they are preservatives, anything like that in their food. I can't speak of other countries, but I'm pretty sure the EU kind of has a blanket approach. But what is banned in Europe that is not banned in the United States is growth hormone. There's also things like potassium bromate that makes baked goods look whiter and increase the volume of them. There's also vegetable oils that are used to keep flavors from separating in beverages. They use fat substitutions here, bleaches, preservatives, red dye, yellow dye, blue dye, and then other things. So It just sugar alcohols, sugar alcohols. It's just all of the fake stuff has to, it does something in the body. Like that's why we always preach. It'd be better off for you to just have real sugar in your coffee than something like Splenda or an artificial sugar, because it changes the actual genetic profile or your DNA in the cells. Well, you know, I know a lot of big people, a lot of people, especially when it comes to dieting, you know, they'll go to the low sugar, like Walden farms and things like that. And basically what those are, is they're, they're basically a chemical nightmare in the body. The body doesn't know what that is, so it can't utilize it and it creates inflammation. So you're like you said, you're better off just going and using a very light, light uh, serving of like real maple syrup or honey. 
because your body knows what to do with sugar. It's a, it knows what to do with that, but it doesn't know what to do with the chemical mess. It doesn't. And honestly, you're still tricking your brain into thinking that you've had something sweet. So you're still releasing some of the same hormones. So it's Correct. actually not helping you lose weight, really. We really just need to learn how to not eat processed food and crave so much sugar and fat in this country. I mean, one of the other major differences is portion sizes, processed food consumption, sugar content, and the preferences that we have here. I mean, we saw, we did not see really any out of shape or morbidly obese Italian person. No, it's like I text my mom. I was like, when we were on the beach in Almafi and you look across and 90, I would say 99% of the people are healthy looking. Now, again, they're, when I say they're in shape, I'm not saying like all oh, everybody went to the gym and that's the way they look in shape. But, you know, the only overweight people I saw were Americans. And I mean, one guy was complaining about the fact he didn't have enough alcohol in his pina colada drink. I mean, so the other side, you know, that that is, is, you know, the GM, GMOs. And we have become a lazy society. You know, we are a society of convenience. We are a society of and when we want it, we want it. We're not patient enough to wait for it. And appearance. And, and, and when it even comes to food. Right. <laughs> yeah. So they're having, we're having to grow food extremely fast um, because we have less land to grow on. We are cutting the legs off of the farmers, you know, from being able to grow it. Then, you know, the pesticides and everything they're using to grow it faster and and everything is having a dramatic impact on it. When we were over there, everything is cooked fresh. Mm -hmm. As a society over here, we're not doing that. We're always ordering out. We're either reheating it up um, through the microwave, through microwavable food, or we're using quick bake mixes or something in the form of that, that is designed to sit on the shelf for months or a year versus having fresh cooked food that will only last 72 hours or up to four days. Yeah. I mean, our food is not supposed to last that long. I mean, just like us, we're perishable. It's perishable. And when they sent us over that photo of the tiramisu they made with the wild strawberries, I mean, people in America would totally not even, I mean, and I'm guilty of this. I would have, I'm kind of hardwired to think, oh, the bigger and more red of a strawberry, that's the one that I want. I want that one. Well, in reality, that one's not real. That one has dyes and other things in it that are being made to make it look like that. So it's just, it's a psychological change that we have to make. Right. Even when you go buy your organic eggs, you know, from the grocery store, like Fresh Time or Whole Foods or anything like that, if you look at that carton of eggs, Almost every egg is the exact same size. I guarantee you that if you go to a farm or if you raise your own chickens and you pull eggs out, not every egg is the same size and shape. Well, look at the difference now that we've been buying eggs from a local egg guy. That's my point. You know, they are different. And honestly, again, you're dealing also with the consumer here. When we were doing the research for this podcast, I mean, they're trying to keep up with the market. Now, granted, I feel like the FDA and food providers should do better to educate. But at the same time, it's like if what that's what's buying. I mean, it's just I think it's slowly changed over time. And now we're kind of in a a mess of a chemical storm. Another issue that another difference that is between the US and EU is labeling requirements. So the EU has stricter labeling requirements than the US. For example, um, the EU requires that the country of origin of a certain food be listed on the label where the U.S. does not have similar requirement. And in places where the EU requires that genetically modified foods be labeled as such, the U.S. does not have that same requirement. Right. 
And there are different standards for organic and sustainable products. So the EU has more of a comprehensive and strict certification process on both exported and domestic products. And then they also require that there are different laws that require companies to reduce their carbon footprint. And in the EU, you can actually trace the food back from farm to table where the U.S. it's only voluntarily practiced. So it's just it's overall there's differences between the two and it's a reflection of the priorities and values of the respected regulatory agency and the society. 100%. You know, if we look at the United States version of Betty Crocker, red velvet cake, not only does it have artificial colors linked to hyperactivity in children, food cravings and obesity, but it also has partially hydrated hydrogenated oils, aka trans fat. Trans fat has been shown to be deadly even in small amounts. Previous trials have been linked even in a 40 calorie per day increase in trans fat intake to 23% higher risk of heart disease. This could easily be the amount of trans fat in one serving of Betty Crocker's icing alone. That's crazy. And let's talk about the fat for a second and go back to the gelato. Right. So we could do a comparison. You know, there's four main differences of Italian gelato versus American gelato. and Italian gelato has much less fat to start with. American ice creams have to contain at least 10% fat by law, while gelato usually contains an average of 3.8%. That's because unlike ice cream, gelato is made with fresh milk in Italy, not powdered milk or cream. Well, and so I I just can't understand why we have to have such a high fat content. But again, it's about mass production and convenience as well. Like, the you know, anything that's powdered milk, it's... The combination of high fat and high sugar, whether it's in pure sugar or in sugar alcohol form, that's well, yeah. that that's where we get into a lot of trouble. Another not- thing that we'll come back to, you know, that I, I did find when doing research is, you know, a lot of these bigger corporations like Betty Crocker and Coca-Cola and stuff like that say it's too expensive to change the label or change it over here when I don't understand how they can say that when they're changing the label and changing the product to ship to Europe, you know, like we had talked about when we went to Mexico, when I bought that Barney's almond butter chocolate version, it was 90 calories in the in Mexico versus 190 in the States. And the 100 calorie difference was in the sugar alcohols. They both were made at the exact same manufacturing plant and they were both distributed out of the exact same place. So why is it the version of Barney's going to Mexico, UK, Europe, different than the one here in the States when it's made right here? I wish I could answer that for you because it doesn't make sense. Again, I feel like being born and raised here in this country, and I I love our country, but thinking about the Food and Drug Administration, I feel like, oh, I always felt like they had my back. And I mean, they do in some instances, right? However, they don't require product approval before something hits the market unless it contains a drug. So perhaps looking at these manufacturers of food like Barney's or whatever, I wonder if they are just making more money sending things to America because they have they can do it in a cheaper way or they have things like when you were reading about the McDonald's, you know, how it's different. Like that's another question to ask. Like mm-hmm. why is it that the was a strawberry slushy that you found? Yeah, it was uh, the label is quite a bit different, but the big one that I found because this impacts Everything, almost everything that we eat is was the flour, mm-hmm. the the flour in Europe versus the flour in the U.S. And as as far as flour, the European laws are very 
They're ridiculously simple. It's 100% grain and nothing else. That's it. You cannot add any other organic or inorganic substances of any kind, nor treat the flour with any physical or chemical agent. Unlike in the U.S., on the other hand, flour can be treated with a long list of bleaching and aging agents, oxidizers of nitrogen, chlorine, nitrosyl chloride, chlorine dioxide. One I can't even say. I was going to say, the list goes on. And we have azocarbonide, the same chemical used to make yoga mats and shoe soles. So a chemical that's made to use rubber for yoga mats and shoes is allowed in flour and other various peroxide solutions. You can also toss in some amylase to extend the shelf life and some absorbent acid as a dough conditioner. Wondering, flour does age, meaning that its characteristics change as it gets exposed to oxygen. More aged oxidized flours are usually whiter and their gluten proteins restructure in a way that allows them to form a stronger bond and therefore makes the dough more elastic. In Europe, flour ages naturally with time versus in the U.S., however, time is too expensive and naturally aged flour is too difficult to standardize. So they add a chemical product, which is basically chlorine. And I, I want to back up a little bit to that because that's, that's just it. So when things oxidize or start to denature, that's when the body does not know what to do with it. And that's where we start to have epigenetic modifications down on a DNA level. That's why things, where we have the diseases that we have in this country, the comorbidities that we have, and we're in such a state where somebody might be trying, but they're just so toxic. Because if you look at it, we're eating foods that are not real foods anymore. We're putting things on our bodies that are not real and the body doesn't know how to deal with it. We're not getting exposed to real sunlight like we should we're not having the purest water we're not breathing the purest air like it's just too much and that's where it ends up becoming a major issue and not only that the societal demand on working all the time just adds another layer of stress and so we're kind of in this rat race that we can't get out of right and then we then we step into the fact of we all have at some point been on a medication like a like a painkiller or um that disrupts gut health Mm -hmm. or we're there are people currently on two or three medications or at least one medication that is disrupting their gut health. So, you know, you have very poor gut health, then you have these chemical nightmares going into the into your body. And that's where I was saying with these people that have been working really, really hard to lose weight, drop body fat, or get their composition where they want to be at and are struggling. They feel like they just can't get there. Well, this is why I said that there are things working against you that are out of your control right now because no matter how hard you work, you're not getting around the, the medication disrupting your gut health and you're not getting around the things that are adding toxic load to the body. And so it's make, making it very hard for you to obtain your goals. It's yes. And to take it even from a pathophysiology standpoint, even a step further, and I know you know this, you're the one that's even taught me on this. Let's talk about estrogen because all of these things, even like the plastics that we're storing the food in for convenience and all of that, and everything that Jamie just mentioned, it causes different estrones and estrogens in a different distribution of the three estrogens that we have, which are stored in body fat. And it's causing a hormonal nightmare too. That's why infertility is on the rise. That's why we have, there's so many things that are just rising and rising and rising. And unfortunately, because Healthcare in this country is also a reactive approach. We're treating the disease and we're not trying to prevent it. And we're using, you know, the the disease model. 
we're then adding more and more medications that are disrupting gut health. And it's just this cyclical thing versus let's back it up. Let's clean out the body and let's just feed it as purely as we can. Then we got to go into what can you as an individual do better? You know, one is, I'm sure you've heard this at some point in time and listen to something, but it's read the labels, read the labels on your food. Even when you're trying to buy organic, you know, one thing that people don't understand with grass fed beef is grass fed should be grass fed and grass finished by FDA standards. Grass fed means grass fed up until two weeks out. And then they can be fed with grains and other things, which then if you have any type of autoimmune or anything like that, those grains are now in that beef that you're eating, which is why you're having a reaction to meat on that side of it. Yes. And also besides that, if you go to a farmer that's doing that due diligence, chances are I would put anything on it that those that cattle has had a happy life. And they've not only from a moral standpoint, you know, you want the animals that you're eating to have, you know, had a good life, but also they're not riddled with cortisol. Correct. These mass produced animals are in very stressful environments. And then you're just eating the cortisol that's come out of that animal. Right. And then, you know, where are you buying your your fruit and vegetables from? You know, one thing I know me and Jen are going to start incorporating is we're going to start buying from a farmer's market. But again, we have to be careful here because even when you're trying to buy from organic farmers, ones that do not use pesticides and anything else, you got to think about cross-contamination. So, you know, there could be a farmer two to three miles down the road that that is using pesticides. The wind will carry that over. So making sure that you're washing your your fruits, your vegetables. And you um, more than washing, but go ahead. And even marinating your meat. So a mixture that you can use is water, salt, and baking soda. Baking soda. And, you know, soak your food, your fruit and vegetables for at least 30 minutes to an hour. Same thing with your meat and then rinse it off. Um, So trying to get as much of that stuff out of there, making sure that you're cooking at lower temps. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not cooking your food too fast that you're using lower temps. So you're not denaturing protein and you're not denaturing the vitamin and minerals in your fruits and vegetables. Um, is another big thing that you can be doing. Try to avoid the microwave and plastics. Try to mi- avoid the microwave and plastics. Store your food in, in glassware is a big thing. Going on to Amazon, and I just started doing this and had some found some flour made in Italy um, and had it shipped over. Um, that's a big thing. You can even use some of your deodorants, so your, your lo- in lotions and stuff like that. Again, order from over in the European market or Mexican market or even Canada. Just be careful with Amazon. Just make sure that it has the right seal. There are counterfeit things on Amazon. So just make sure that you're doing your due diligence to make sure that it's coming. Like you ordered right. the flower and it, it is 100% authentic. Right. So there's, you can, you can go on to Amazon. You can click on the product. And then what you do is you go to, where's it being shipped from? Right. You know, so it says made in Italy. And, but then on the thing, it says made in the U.S., that's a hint. Or I did find some websites in Europe that will ship to the U.S. We can Un- put those in the links. Yeah, right? I can add that to the podcast notes and you can go on there or you can find me or Jen on social media and DM us and I'll, I'll send you the links that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and that was really helpful, like what you have found. And, and I wanted to say, like for people like we don't have kids yet, but I understand and I can only imagine because it's hard enough for even for us to get you know, a healthy meal in or, you know, plan ahead. But 
we've had a lot of fun making our own pastas and that can be a good family thing that I think we're kind of getting away from, you know, there's nothing better than having recipes passed down and having those memories that you make with your family or just with your significant other or with your friends or with yourself. But it's really not that hard to make pasta and it does store and it is actually delicious. Correct. And here's one thing for parents too, to think about. And this is, again, this is not a negative way of me saying anything is just an encouragement way actually is, you know, as, as parents, you're trying to give your, your kids the best opportunities in life that you can. You try to get them the best education. You try to sit, leave them financially set and you, you're just trying to do everything right. So I think that should also be in the food that you feed them. You know, if you're giving them the quick path, the McDonald's, Burger King and anything like that, then not only are you showing them to take the easy way out just versus making food, but also like Jen was saying, I mean, that's quality time that you could be spending with your children doing something, mm -hmm. doing it that way. But also the lot of this food is linked to hyperactivity and other issues, you know, and weight issues and stuff like that. So let's set them up for success in the way that we feed them also. Yeah. You know, let's just not look at it from the financial and education, but are you setting your kid's future up health-wise the same way in those areas by feeding them foods that will work with them? Or are you feeding them food that's going to work against them and then could cause long-term issues down the road? Yes. And, you know, I will also say, so like with, you know, I just want to touch on the skincare and we can dive in deeper in the next episode. But the other thing is, is I really can't emphasize enough how much what you're putting on your body matters. So, you know, even when you use perfume, you need to spray it on your clothes, not directly on your skin and just kind of pick your poisons there with what, like, what are the things that you want to use that might not be the best? And, you know, what are the things that you need to use that you're going to be putting like all over your body, like body lotion, skincare and stuff like that. We currently use a line called face reality that really got into acne and how acne, since it's inflammatory, it goes through a whole bunch of ingredients and it doesn't have some of the ingredients that are allowed in the U.S. in that skincare. And it has actually truly changed my skin. What was interesting about being over there is that my skin actually cleared up. And I know it's coming from both ends, you know, the inside and the outside. But just to let you know, the EU has way stricter regulations when it comes to cosmetics as compared to the U.S. And to put that into perspective, the EU has banned over 1,400 ingredients for product use, where the U.S. only has 30 banned ingredients. And that makes it hard and it can be very overwhelming. And we would love to help you guys. We could help anybody via you know, email or set up a consultation. But it's just really important that we know that. And we talked about sunscreen just recently. And I didn't even know this until we did some research for this. But in Europe, the sunscreen is formulated differently to contain all of the UVA blocking ingredients that we talked about, the ones that are really the UVA rays are the bad rays, they're the damaging rays, they're the aging rays, where the US really tends to have higher UVB blocking ingredients and where you feel like you're not burning because UVB is the burning ray, you're still not protecting yourself from the most harmful ray. So it's just very interesting and you really have to educate yourself. And it's important because these are the things that are going in and on your body for the rest of your life. Right. And leave you with this from the Institute of Medicine and National Research Council. The United States spends 2.5 times more on healthcare than any other nation. However, when compared with 16 other nations, we come in dead last in terms of health and life expectancy for men and near the bottom for women. Yeah, something's changed. And I think that we can change the trajectory of it from a provider standpoint and from a consumer standpoint. And so, as they say, the more you know. Correct. 
Well, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Younger by the Minute. We really enjoyed this time and, and sharing our trip with you and what we learned. We hope that this has taught you guys some things. Um, and again, if you want links to things, just reach out, go on to the podcast and get the show notes, or you can DM us on our social media pages. Yes. And I know there's a lot to unpack here and it can be overwhelming, but two of the things that we can do nationally and even globally is nutrition and skincare consults. So we could set up a Zoom, we could go through what you're currently doing and then help you kind of make tweaks and educate you. Because at the end of the day, the only way we all get better in life is to help each other. So, Well, I'm tapping out. Jamie (laughs) Spicer is out. And this is Jennifer Spicer. Thank you for listening.